All right, figured out family. Hope all is well. It's Thursday. You know what that means, baby. This week, I had the opportunity to host Joe McIntyre. He's the spokesperson for the U.S. Golf Manufacturers Anti-Counterfeiting Working Group. Their mission is to stop the spread of counterfeit golf products and to keep golf real. I think this is a really interesting topic. Uh, counterfeit golf clubs are definitely an issue. Um, big money. You know, there's millions of dollars each year that are lost by all the OEMs because of counterfeits. Uh, most counterfeits that we see are produced in China uh, and primarily sold in the U.S. So we kind of get into, you know, this topic, counterfeits in general and how big of an issue it is. Uh, hope you enjoy the episode. If you're a new listener, my name is Daniel Badaraco. Each week I uh, drop episodes about golf, uh, about the golf industry, try to bring you as much value as possible via entertainment, via knowledge. Um if you enjoy the episodes, if you've been you know, a regular listener, please do me a favor. Give me five stars. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy. I hope you're having a great week. And here's the episode. Joe, how's it going? <laughs> good, good. Danny, how are you doing? Doing well. I'm super pumped to have you on. You know, I'm, I'm really passionate about equipment. Equipment is uh, near and dear to my heart. And I know that... Uh, there's definitely like some counterfeits in the industry these days, uh, and it's a problem. So that's why I'm super pumped to have you on to like do a deep dive into into counterfeits. Yeah, I mean, uh, frankly, it is a problem. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on who you're asking. Fortunately for me, uh, at least it keeps me in business. Um, but unfortunately for every single golfer that that's out there, um, we estimate that there's around two million counterfeit golf clubs produced, clubs, parts, balls, everything every single year. Um, Many ways, it's a growing problem. Many ways, it's a shrinking problem, but we can get into that a little later. For sure. Okay, so kind of getting into your professional group, can you give us a background about um, the the U.S. Golf Manufacturing Anti-Counterfeiting Working Group? And also, is there an acronym for that? <laughs> yeah, uh, we call ourselves the Golf Group. Uh, I wish okay, uh, we could shorten it. Uh, attorneys get in the way, as they always do. But uh, so, yeah, the Golf Group came together. In about 2004, so almost 20 years ago, um, mix of companies, all the biggest manufacturers, so all the Kushnet brands, Titleist, Footjoy, Vokey, Scotty Cameron, Callaway Odyssey, Strixon, Cleveland, Zexio, Ping, PXG, TaylorMade, all came together um, because they were all fighting individually the issue with counterfeits, um, and they realized, hey, we'd be a lot stronger if we got together to kind of battle this ourselves um, as a group. So they got together. Uh, and I'm essentially just the spokesperson representing the group. So um, that means everything from managing our social, managing our website, uh, dealing with golfers coming to us with questions. Hey, is this real? Is this not real? And then also we go out to certain events every year. So PGA show, we go uh, talk about some of the issues. But um, yeah, almost 20 years we've been fighting this. Uh, we've confiscated close to 5 million pieces. Uh, but again, like I said, if 2 million are produced every year, it's an ongoing challenge uh, that we're trying to stay ahead of. Um, but something we're always going to keep working on. So I heard that that's basically like if you were to take all the clubs you guys have ever, you know, sort of confiscated and line it up, it's basically from just to give people an idea, like Pebble Beach to Bethpage and and, and back, which is like pretty alarming. It's pretty amazing to to hear that as an like analogy, you know, it gives some scope to to the issue. I think um, a lot of people just don't understand how serious it is uh, and you know, if you think back to 2004, how much buying clubs online has completely changed in the past 20 years. I mean, just buying anything online has completely shifted. So as more people are not going to Golf Galaxy or to PGA Superstore or to a fitter directly uh, to get clubs, and as the prices have 
you know, gone up, um, people are always looking for a deal. So they're heading online, heading to sites they may or may not recognize. Um, and it's becoming a challenge. I mean, we, we try to tell folks that, you know, the easiest rule to follow is uh, to think that if a deal is too good to be true, it probably is. Um, uh, there's a couple other uh, caveats there, but um, for the most part, the only way to know for sure that you're getting a real club is to buy from an authorized retailer. I mean, you can take a risk um, by buying from eBay or buying from Facebook Marketplace or wherever, but that's exactly what it is. It's a risk. So um, we're trying to inform golfers uh, and also another aspect of it is taking down those counterfeiters at the source. All right. So one other thing that I, I read and researched that I thought was kind of mind blowing is like if you and this was from Golf Digest three years ago, and I believe it was from someone from your organization as well. But they had said like if you were to sort of like, you know, find the valuation of counterfeits, it'd be like the fifth or sixth largest OEM manufacturer equivalent. And that just blew my mind. You know what I mean? Because I'm thinking about like all these great brands that you've named, like that's how big of an issue this is. And like, I've never personally bought a fake online, um, but I know people who have. So I just kind of wanted to like host you. That's why I'm super pumped to have you. Cause like, it's just so interesting to think about. I mean, I'm, I'm usually buying stuff like from more reputable sources or from uh, like authorized dealers, but it's definitely like an issue that exists. So when you really dial into it and think about like, um, how exactly these clubs get into the marketplace, how, how, how does that take place? I mean, like, how do they even get into people's bags and into people's hands? Yeah, a couple of different ways, but I'm going to, I'm going to go back to what you said about, um, the, like the, the value of the, the kind of yeah. market for a second. So if you think about it, just as like a brand standpoint, if you buy a counterfeit club online, that's a title list, for example, mm-hmm. and you try to swing it and like this thing is, this thing sucks. I can't hit it. It feels weird right. when I'm swinging it. Uh, Titleist is terrible. Uh, so not only, and it's a counterfeit product that's not made by Titleist. Uh, so if you think about just the value that is lost in that brand, not just, you know, someone buying a club that should be a Titleist, but it's a fake. That's one mm-hmm. thing, but the loss in how people perceive these clubs um, when they're buying counterfeits, just crazy to think about. Um, just like the, intangible value yeah. that can be That'd lost be like goodwill um, on the balance sheet essentially it's like how do you quantify <laughs> yeah. that because i don't know yeah. i don't think that was like that's just an invariable or like about like how do you quantify that you know what i mean it's crazy to think so it's way higher yeah. than that maybe it's like three or you know two or three or whatever right it's almost like incalculable to think that if someone yeah if someone buys a, a box of balls and like these things are constantly slicing or i can't hit these well i hate these balls i'm gonna go to something else well if you bought counterfeit balls they're gonna perform like you're hitting rocks off the tee, quite right. frankly. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's that kind of stuff that we are trying to fight more proactively by doing some more outreach to individual golfers. But, um, yeah, it's that kind of like intangible stuff. That's like hard right. to quantify that it's, that's really where our attorneys who are working for us, mostly, you know, brand protection are concerned with the most, like losing right. value from like customers, not realizing how important this stuff is. Right. So, I, I mean, I tried to find fake clubs in, in preparation for this. So I went on to like AliExpress. I went on to Wish and it's like pretty obvious. And I, I've been in the industry, not in the industry, but I've been like around golf my entire life. So like over 20 years, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Years and years and years. So like I know that you can't buy like a new stealth driver for like $150, right? Because MSRP is like $700 now. Like I just know. And you said it's too good to be true. But when you think about like, 
again, how they truly get into the marketplace and in people's hands. Can we talk through that? Like, where yeah. are they like starting to get into U.S. soil? Because that's pretty much like where the main counterfeit industry is taking place. I saw based on like Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, we estimate, I think, 90%, I think maybe a couple of percentage points over uh, of counterfeit products are produced in China um, for a number of different reasons that like I we don't really need to get into here, but like they just do make it easier in some ways um, to counterfeit things. So if you think about right. not just golf stuff, but like purses, sneakers, mm-hmm. all, like all kinds of counterfeit products are, are pretty often made in China. Um, so that's where they're produced uh, and I think a lot of people have this concept that counterfeit products are, you know, they may not be the real thing, but they're pretty close. And you'll know, uh, I'll say how wrong that is when you hit and you hit a club and you can feel it in your hands. Um, But these operations that they're working out of and, uh, you know, I'll send you and anyone who's listening to keepgolfreal.com. We have photos of it. The operations they're working out of look like your grandmom's garage. There are boxes Mm. everywhere. It's this tiny little, um, tiny little facility with no air conditioning and they're just churning out these fake clubs um, using molds. They essentially just take the, I don't have a club here, but they take the outside so they can mold the outside as anybody pretty much can. um, And then just fill it with metal, the cheapest possible sourcing metal they could possibly find. So um, aesthetically the challenges, they look so close and Mm -hmm. that's where they're really getting better is aesthetics. Like if you hold up, Side by side, we were at the PGA show in January. We had Ping people at our booth. These people work for Ping, have worked for Ping for years. We had a uh, a new driver uh, and a counterfeit driver right next to each other. One authentic, one real, or one authentic, one counterfeit. They could not tell the difference aesthetically. Oh, they could, the OEM, like the guys from Ping could, that's crazy yep. to me. That's so yep. interesting to see. And like based yep. on what the v- YouTube videos just like looking at it without holding them, like you, it's tough to tell, like it's hard to tell, but like really when it comes down to it, it's just performance. Right. I mean, like you can definitely tell, I mean, I saw Rick Shields hit some numbers or hit some drivers on the launch monitor and it's like one sixty yards, you know, like <laughs> yeah. not as far as the other. Yeah. It's perform performance, uh, path and then performance also safety. So these yeah. are, I mean, not just poorly performing clubs, like, um, but they're also like, made from the cheapest materials possible. So right. we've had stories of shafts snapping in people's hands, iron shafts snapping in people's hands, um, carbon fiber shafts snapping, heads flying off clubs, like um, even like the uh, iron snapping at the hosel. Like these are like dangerous clubs to have. So right. uh, it may sound like I'm exaggerating, but I'm really not. Like when these things, if you hit something a little fat and a shift, an iron metal can, you know, shift or um, right. sorry, slice your hand in half. It's dangerous. So yeah, you're going to be playing at like, you know, behind where you normally would be if you had authentic stuff. But if you hit it the wrong way, you could seriously hurt yourself or other golfers. It's crazy. Yeah, watch out. So do you see like these manufacturers, like when you think about the actual uh, manufacturers, because I used to work in aerospace. So like, you know, Mm -hmm. aerospace, manufacturing, all of these different protocols, super sophisticated, right? freaking data scientists, engineers, all these, you know, these guys exist making parts for airplanes. So when you think about and dial into like the counterfeit manufacturer, you had talked a little bit about it, but they're not that sophisticated. But do you see that improving into the future? Because there's so much manufacturing capability in China and it's only like, like growing and growing. Like, do you see them getting better in the future? I, I think the only area and uh, our folks in China back this up, the only area where we see them improving is how it looks. Um, again, they don't, 
They don't care at all about how it performs. All they want to do, these counterfeiters in China, is make something that looks as close as possible to the real deal and get it to the US, get it to the UK, get it to wherever golfers are. And once it's there, like their hands are clean. They don't care how it performs, what actually happens with it after that. So as far as performance, no, that won't. If anything, that may be worse is that they get as they get closer, they get cheaper materials. Um, mm. But again, they're just molding the exterior of these products, which, you know, with what they have over there, that's pretty easy to do to get that exterior mold. But as you know, the countless, countless hours of engineering that goes into these golf clubs that just as, not just as importantly as aerospace, certainly, but I mean, right. it, there's a lot of engineering hours that go into this. For uh, sure, yeah. Countless research that goes into making these clubs perform the way they do. Um, and when you're just getting something that's just a mold of the exterior of it, it's nowhere close. And they just, the counterfeiters will never care about performance. Yeah. I'll be sure to link, you know, like your website and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. it's interesting to see like an actual iron cut in half and see the, the difference between like a true authentic iron and the counterfeit. I mean, you can like, it's just amazing to see like how skilled they were to initially do it, but you deep dive, you dive deeper in and it's like totally fake. Right. Yeah. I mean, so when it comes to irons, like you'll see obviously, you know, cavity back irons or, um, you know, the tailor maids that have the, the, the foam inserts or whatever, um, it's still going to have those markings, the counterfeits, but it's just going to be one solid hunk of metal. It's, it's wild to actually hit it. I've gone to a driving range a few times with one. Um, it just feels like, I don't know if whoever played baseball, but if you ever hit a baseball with a bat that's already broken and it just hurts your hands so bad, like in like a stinger every time, no matter whether you hit, you know, direct center of the club face or not, it feels horrible. And there's no way to direct where it's going to go. Like you have no control over the club. So seeing the inside of these clubs is crazy. A driver is just glued together um, and you'll have actually pieces of glue just floating around. You can sh- uh, shake the club and it'll sound like a maraca. It's wild. Uh, and then also on our website, we have photos of balls. When you compare what it looks like for a, um, you know, a Pro V1 versus what they do, where like half of the inside or half the shell on the outside has like a little blip on it and it just, there's no way it's going to fly well. It can't even roll straight, let alone fly well in the sky. So, uh, the differences between the real and the fake are are outrageous. Yeah. So when you think about like equipment, right? Is there is it does it tend to be like Circle T Scotties and like the higher end or like where do you typically see like from a distribution standpoint, like where are most of the fakes? Is it the putter? Is it the irons? Is it the driver? I'm assuming like from standing on the outside looking in, I'm assuming it's like Circle T, like Tour Rats that are just totally you know, not legit. Cause got people want those. I mean, people want the trilliums, people want the circle T's people want that stuff. Like I can see that being, but like from your perspective, you like diving deeper into like those clubs that you've counted are most of them. Like where, where do they tend to be? You hit it right on the head. It's Scotty Cameron's Scotty Cameron is okay. the most counterfeit club that we come across. Um, for obvious reasons, it's one of the most high value clubs, not just for, you know, brand new, just regular Newport twos or whatever. But the, like you said, the circle T's that could be collector's items, people think they're, holy, I found a circle T on Facebook Marketplace for 200 bucks. Do you believe that? Uh, no, I don't believe it because it's not true. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Scotty Cameron's and drivers, uh, often the most yeah. counterfeit, just because they're the most, you know, they could cost the most amount of money um, and they make them for super cheap. So why would they, you know, they still do counterfeit irons, but you have to make an iron set of, you know, a handful of clubs versus a driver that costs 
almost as much as an iron set or an affordable iron set in some cases. Um, and it's just one club and you just keep churning it out and churning it out. Um, but Scotties are the most counterfeit um, that we come across. We get them all the time. Um, and it drives a Kushnet crazy. It drives Scotty crazy. Um, but it's, it's just a constant battle. Um, always, um, always Scotty's number one, but they do counterfeit everything. I mean, people don't also realize like you see fake Jordans, they have fake, yeah. uh, fake foot joys, um, fake bags, fake gloves, fake balls. Um, a lot of the time what they're doing is just producing stickers that they put on, um, clubs that, that may not even have any, um, aesthetic similarity to the real deal, but they'll just pop a ping sticker on it. Um, mm -hmm. and they'll sell it sometimes in person, but a lot of times just online. Um, right. and you know, the, the issue or one of the big issues is when you see a listing online, um, it's going to include a photo that they probably just copy pasted from one of the, um, the manufacturers. And then you get something at home, you know, you're excited, you get this nice big box and the club looks nothing like the real deal. Um, they also do that. Um, so it's really, uh, it kind of depends. Sometimes they'll get so close to the aesthetic of it and it'll perform poorly. Sometimes they don't even try, but they just trick you with photos. Um, right. And I think a lot of people also don't realize that, you know, you're not only buying something that's counterfeit, um, but you're giving your credit card information to a counterfeiter. Like, so you're not only at risk for your golf game, but you're at risk for like credit card fraud too. So it's, um, it's something we're really trying to educate people on, but um, constant battle. Yeah. So like one thing that comes to mind is, okay, obviously you want to go buy clubs. You should go, you know, kind of just reading your site. The way I understand it is you go to the, the OEM of the, the club you want. You type in, I mean, all of them have like authorized dealers, essentially. You yep. type in your zip code or whatever, and it'll give you like all the authorized dealers, right? So that's if you want to buy a new club. But say you're a guy who's like super passionate about like Scotty's or like, you know, really craftsman boutique kind of um, clubs from these like smaller manufacturers. And you go to like second, you go to like a marketplace, you go to like an eBay or Facebook marketplace. Like how, how are the, how should those guys be like protecting themselves? Like the more hardcore club junkie guys versus someone who is like going to get fit just from your perspective. Yeah. I think that's like an interesting um, topic. Yeah. I mean, I can, so I can only speak for the manufacturers that we represent um, and what they're doing. Um, right. But I just think, uh, so one point, some of the manufacturers have authorized res resellers on eBay. So I think TaylorMade and Titleist have authorized people that they work with. So they've connected with like sellers on eBay that they know like these guys only sell legit stuff. We trust them. Uh, we work with them before. Um, so they, those people do exist. Um, it's not just the golf galaxies. They do, they do have some authorized eBay sellers. Um, but if you're a collector, uh, if you can't see it in person, you're just always going to be taking that risk. Um, whether it's from one of the manufacturers I represent or one of the, you know, the high profile, you know, more boutique style, uh, uh, designers, uh, manufacturers, it's just, you're always taking a risk. Um, mm -hmm. second swing, uh, does, we do education with them. Uh, to make sure that they know every single year what our new clubs look like, what to look out for. Here's some fakes. Here's some uh, of the real deal. And here's some of the things you can kind of compare them to. So um, the secondary market where you can kind of go in person, we'd always recommend in person if you can. Um, and working with some either club pro or someone who kind of sees these clubs all the time, um, who can kind of distinguish between the real deal and not. Um, but if it's online, it's just a risk you're always going to take. So it, it's kind of just... Um, no advice other than don't do it. Uh, right. but, uh, if you if you want to do it, just get, you just realize you're going to take that risk. 
For sure. Yeah. No, and yeah. also kind of combing through your website, I thought it was interesting. I didn't realize this until like more recently, but a lot of the OEMs, they have like a tab on their website where you're able to like report counterfeits. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Like I remember, uh, I think it was a Kushnet or excuse me, Titleist, but they had like an actual dialog box where you could put like the eBay seller and like the auction. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so as much as we can, we try to work with, uh, yeah. with golfers just to say like, Hey, if you, if you got screwed, like let us help you as much as we can, like we can't get your money back, but we can at least go after this seller. Um, and in some cases, whether if it's an eBay, you can uh, file some sort of complaint uh, against the company uh, or against a seller. Places like Alibaba, Wish.com, you can kind of be SOL in some ways. Um, right. But as much as you can, if you find that you have purchased something that you think may be counterfeit, contact us. We will work directly with the manufacturers to either um, make sure what you have is the real thing. And if it's not, uh, try to work to take down that seller or um, take down the website where you purchased it from. Unfortunately, we again we can't get your money back. Uh, that's not kind of where we are, um, but we can at least let you know in some cases um, if it's real or not based on photos. Um, but if you send it to us and it ends up being not real, we don't give it back uh, because right. that's uh, an illegal golf product that we we won't. You know, you're not in trouble, but we don't give it back. Okay, sorry, kind of deep diving deeper into like the education portion. I mean, you had mentioned that mm-hmm. and obviously your site is like really cool. Also, I love your guys' logo, the skull <laughs> with the, uh, like the golf clubs. I, I love that. It's like a super cool aesthetic. Um, but when you talk more about like the education side of things, like what can guys and, and gals do to like, just be better informed as consumers, you know, in 2023 when everything or a lot of, you know, most stuff is e-commerce as you had mentioned before and it's only going to get more and more relevant so like how can we protect ourselves you know kind of moving forward yep a couple tips uh one a couple of you already mentioned uh one only buy from authorized uh sellers that's the only way to know for sure uh two too good to be true probably is three if it's shipping from china if a club is shipping from china uh there's a very very high likelihood that it's fake um most of if not all i believe all of the manufacturers um, assemble their clubs in the U.S. So they only ship from the U.S. Um, right. So if it's shipping from the United States, you kind of know that you're at least in a good spot. If it's shipping from China, avoid it at all costs. Um, another, por- uh, another part of it. So if you have questions also before you're buying something, contact us. Uh, we'll at least be able to tell you if this seller is reputable, if they can be trusted. And if they can't, uh, we can at least say, hey, we don't. this is not an authorized seller. Um, we don't work with them closely. We can't authenticate uh, their clubs before they get to you. So you're always taking that risk. But um, it's a lot of just common sense. You know, mm-hmm. clubs are expensive uh, because of all the engineering that goes into it, because of all the other uh, aspects that make these clubs so precise and so down to the you know half of a millimeter uh, in some cases. So um, just use common sense. If it's if it's you're seeing a new driver for 200 bucks, if you're seeing a set of irons for 500 bucks think to yourself, why would that be the case? You know, why would this, why would a manufacturer, why would someone be selling these, especially if they're new for that kind of discount? Manufacturers don't sell blems, you know, they don't sell seconds. They don't sell anything that isn't perfect. Um, so there's no such thing as a, oh, I got this, you know, there was a scratch on it. So the manufacturer just sold it at a discount that doesn't exist. Um, right. I think there's kind of this concept that, oh, if something's not perfect, they'll just sell it at, you know, sell it somewhere else or on this other site for, for a quick, a uh, quick discount doesn't exist. Uh, these manufacturers spend years 
uh, trying to achieve perfection and they would never sell anything that doesn't kind of hit their quality assurance level. But also like a lot of the manufacturers are vertically integrated and in that they have like a, like say you had mentioned a scratch and that, mm-hmm. something that comes to mind is like Callaway pre-owned, right? Mm-hmm. Like say that there's something that, uh, I don't know what the white rate is. It's, it's not like, you know, a hundred percent, right. Or it's potentially like used or hit once like that essentially would probably just get recycled on their secondary marketplace. Meaning like right, they're yeah. more vertically and they hold the entire like value chain of, excuse me, of the, um, of the, just the product itself, like the flow of the product, right? Yeah. So, I mean, Callaway Golf pre-owned, uh, fully reputable, like you can trust them. Um, but there's a, the reason is that people send their clubs into them and they get authenticated there. So, um, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about protecting the brand. Um, mm-hmm. Callaway understands and most golf manufacturers understand that there is a secondary market for these clubs. Um, so that's why we do the education of people at like second swing. Um, we do, um, work with people who are reputable resellers, um, to let them know, Hey, here's what to look out for. And if you're going to sell clubs that are used, which is totally fine. Um, just because people want to, you know, use a couple of years old, you know, save some money, um, working with people who can see them every single day and do this kind of stuff for a living, uh, and know what to look out for that's what the manufacturers want to do. They want to make sure that they're not putting their brand at risk and they're not putting right. the golfers at risk. Sure. Certainly. No, it's just kind of interesting to think about like, you know, I'm just thinking about right now, like how they could potentially come into the marketplace. And like one thing that comes to mind is like an offer up or at the end of the day, it's just like all of these secondary marketplaces or like maybe super sketchy websites, i.e. like AliExpress and uh, you know, like wish yeah, but it comes down to just common sense. So, like, yeah. when you think about how do these raids kind of go down? Is it just? Can we talk about that? I mean, yeah. they all take place in like China. I mean, you said like ninety percent of it takes place in China. So, like, how, how does that even like happen? How do you guys find these these guys and like target them and and confiscate their clubs? Yeah. So yeah, two part process. One education, then the other is uh, confiscation and taking down um, counterfeiters. So we work very closely with law enforcement in China. Um, we yeah. go on, not me personally, but our, our lawyers and our attorneys go on regular chips over there. Um, it usually starts with identifying, like you mentioned before, someone said, Hey, uh, we'll take down this eBay seller cause they're selling fake stuff. What we do is we work with eBay. We work with law enforcement to kind of go through the back end. Okay. Who is a seller? Where are they shipping from? And it takes months and months of time sometimes, uh, to identify th- through whom they're selling these. So sometimes, shipping location may be different from where they're manufacturing it. So um, it is basically like a movie uh, where you're kind of going through the back channel. So identify, okay, where are these people selling from? Where are they shipping from? And where are they manufacturing it? We work with law enforcement to conduct a handful of raids every year where we're confiscating, you know, hundreds of thousands um, of pieces of equipment that's worth to them millions of dollars. Um, But it is, it is an arduous process um, just Mm -hmm. as it would be to kind of, conduct a raid on um you hear about the movies like a drug raid um it take you need the evidence to back it up you need to know where it's happening you need to know they'll be there um so usually we'll have um law enforcement and up to up to a dozen people um conducting these actual raids over there um to make sure that what we're doing is worth our time and investment because we need to pay chinese law enforcement to kind of go through these because they're not just going to do it out of the bottom of their hearts because they care about these brands so we need to pay professionals over there to take down these folks uh, without giving away too many secrets. Um, it is a pretty serious process. Um, mm-hmm. And we have yeah, attorneys over there in China 
and law enforcement that we work with very, very closely um, in just these remote areas. Um, again, it, it is pretty cool. I've seen some uh, see some clips where they're they're literally running on roofs of houses and jumping down and like surprising these people in their like garages. Seriously. And it's usually just like a mom and pop, or maybe two other people in there, uh, just blown away. And we um, make sure they go to jail. Um, I think the recent one we had someone went to jail for eight years. Um, but yeah, it's it's a serious process uh, to kind of take these down. Very, very reminiscent of a movie. Wow. It sounds kind of exciting. But like yeah. when you think about the actual like big bust to date, mm-hmm. what's sort of been like the biggest bust? Yeah, we just had one uh, recently. Give me one second. I just had our yeah. numbers. Uh, let me pull that up. So I think it was 45,000 pieces of golf equipment. One second. 45,000? Yeah. Yeah. And it just looks uh, like a mom and pop shop warehouse. Yeah, I mean it's it literally looks like a garage, like a um, a garage or like a storage facility um, that yeah. they're manufacturing these things out of. Uh, yeah, forty thousand pieces of equipment, um, and this was from sadly all the brands you recognize: um, Cleveland, Strixon, Zexio, all the Cushnet, TaylorMade, PXG, Callaway, Ping. Um, yeah. That was forty thousand, forty-four thousand. Uh, kind of for clubs, components, bags, and apparel. So they do everything. Um, and that was just about a month or two ago. So we usually conduct a half dozen or so of these raids every single year. Um, but again, it's the process that goes into this. It's very difficult to stay ahead. Um, so in some ways and in many ways, we rely on golfers to alert us to where they saw suspicious activity because that's what helps us a ton. Um we have to, as you know, the attorneys of the manufacturers actually buy stuff sometimes from these counterfeiters to make sure that what they're selling is fake. And then we can at least know that, um, you know, they're one of the counterfeiters we need to go after. But it is helpful when we hear from golfers as to, hey, I bought this stuff from this seller. I don't think it's real. What can you do? It helps us so much uh, when we get right. alerted to, to what these, um, you know, these criminals are doing. Yeah. No, just kind of like the 45,000. I mean, say you sell one piece at a hundred bucks or each piece, right? That's 4.5 million bucks. Yeah. Just like this I mean, mom and pop wear shop. I mean, it just goes to to show like how valuable and that's why there are counterfeits, right? Because this stuff is seen as, as super valuable and is so expensive. Like that's why counterfeits exist, right? Yep. I mean, 45,000 pieces at a hundred bucks a pop, you know, over 4 million. But think yeah. about what the, the real version of those clubs would sell for so oh, yeah. you way can higher. assume like way higher and that's, that's like 350 right yep that's like 12 million more than that more than 12 right <laughs> yeah and that's that's money that's revenue that those brands are losing um so even a raid of forty-four thousand pieces sounds like a lot it's really not in the grand scheme of how much is produced it's still very very valuable um to the brands. so um you know Big message to golfers, obviously avoid this stuff, but if you do see it, let us know. Um, you know, we're, we only have so many people available to like try to track down these counterfeiters and buy counterfeit things. Um, but we do know, and we've seen it because we get emails every single day, um, that golfers are buying fake stuff. So um, as much as they can alert us, uh, we'd be grateful. Mm-hmm. So when you think about your organization, like how long has it been around for? Was it, I think you said it early 2000s, right? 2004. Yeah. It'll be 20 years next year um, of taking down, um, yeah, counterfeiters. Yeah. 
Okay. Was there a particular event that caused all the, the OEMs to kind of want to get together? Um, was it just like the rise of the internet or like what, I, when did we, did you see your organization like come, you know, to existence? Yeah, it, it kind of did coincide with um, the growth of like online shopping uh, and the growth of, you know, sites like eBay, um, certainly kind of really were the impetus of this because, um, you know, early, the early days, the wild west of <laughs> online buying uh, was very different from where it is today. Um, but yeah, 2004, I don't, I'm not exactly sure if there was just, you know, this one spark, but I think uh, a couple of the attorneys at these manufacturers got together and said, hey, like, enough is enough. Like, what are you guys doing? You you seeing these issues all the time? Yes. Well, why don't we get together and kind of fight this? So interesting aspect, kind of separate from this, but there is an antitrust aspect. So we got to make sure that none of the manufacturers are discussing trade secrets or discussing prices or discussing anything else. We have outside counsel that helps us make sure that everything that we're doing is not not getting in the way of any uh, trust issues. So uh, there's another aspect of it. But um, one thing I do want to mention, because I don't think we brought it up yet, sites that people trust even um, for other things online. So Amazon is now selling. We've seen uh, tons of counterfeit products being sold on Amazon because really? as I'm sure you know, uh, Amazon doesn't sell all the products on Amazon. They can be sold mm-hmm. through like individual third-party sellers. So if you see a set of ping clubs or tailor-made clubs on Amazon and they're not being sold by Amazon or whatever it is, uh, and they're at a steep discount, people think, well, it's Amazon. Like I, I know that right. it's a legit company. I'm not being scammed here. But because third-party sellers can sell on Amazon, we also tell people to not buy any golf products for the most part on Amazon. I didn't realize. So I, I actually went in front for this. I went to Amazon because <laughs> I had saw it on your website, but I couldn't necessarily find clubs. So was it there? I, I, I had no idea they were selling yeah. clubs yeah, on like, Amazon. So we try to take – so I'm glad that you didn't see them because that means like our attorneys yeah. are, doing, <laughs> are doing their jobs. Um, right. But yeah, it's uh, – if you do see some uh, clubs being sold on Amazon, they're not, I think in all cases, not a authorized seller for anyone. Um, so just another place to avoid. But um, it does seem easy to just go to the manufacturer or go to, um, you know, your local golf uh, golf center or certainly your, if you're a country club or a, a public club, like they sell only the real deal. But you just have to buy from people you trust, have to buy from people you know. Yeah. One thing that I, that kind of came to mind is just thinking about like the trade in industry as well. Like maybe you go to your local golf shop and you know, they're, they have a trade in program and you, mm-hmm. you have, you bought the club. You had no idea. I mean, you would know, right. If you, if you buy a freaking fake club and it's not real. Right. But somehow like it sneaks its way into a golf shop. Right. Do you ever see that? Like, has there ever been a raid in an actual golf like retailer that sort of like snuck through the cracks and got into shelf or on a shelf? Not in the U.S. Um, we've never conducted any raids, but there have been clubs that have been counterfeit that have snuck through the second swings uh, of the world. Yeah. So part of why we go to the PGA show down in Florida every year is to educate uh, people who work at those places about what to look out for, kind of what the new things are. Um, we also send them photos of some recent fakes that we've gotten so they know when they're getting in trade-ins what to look for. Um a lot of the times, and this is obviously a good thing, these second swing places will have driving ranges. So sometimes you'll get a, pl- a pro at this place to swing it and see if, you know, the numbers line up um, as far as distance goes, as far as, um, you know, general trajectory and accuracy goes. So there's a lot of components that go into this uh, to make sure that they're real. And anytime a second swing place gets a circle T in, their ears always perk up um, because for the most part, 
no one's really trading in a used circle T at like a second swing. There's such collector's items right. that like there's, they're not going to be sold in that, in that way. So um, thankfully like the guys that are um, the guys and gals at second swing, like know what they're doing. We also um, educate uh, folks who are in the, uh, in the customs process. So when clubs are coming into the U S we also conduct, I think once or twice a year, at least once a year, education with uh, customs people to know what to look out for, to know um, if you see any golf clubs coming into the U.S. that are shipping from China, you should flag them um, as customs people and try to take them down there. So, again, Can that's... we dive into that a little bit more? Because I saw <laughs> yeah. one YouTube video before this is like $1.3 billion each year is stopped in counterfeit items at JFK. Yeah. I mean, and it's if, just if like think, some guy standing there with like this Gibson guitar and it's like G U B <laughs> and it's spelled wrong. Like if you yeah. look closely, but $1.3 billion. I mean, like from like someone kind of like outside looking in, you like see this fake club and it's like almost a joke, like because it's such a bad, but there's, it's just like real money. I mean, that's one thing I, that's, that's something I want to pitch from this episode. It's like a freaking problem. I mean, it's big money that we're talking. It's a yeah. trillion dollar industry. If you zoom out and look at it from like a macro standpoint, it's a huge issue. I mean, 1.3 yeah. billion alone at JFK is crazy. Yeah. I mean, people who are in customs have an insanely difficult job. So like they need to know theoretically the difference between a real uh, Scotty and a fake Scotty. Uh, they need the difference between a, uh, a real set of, you know, Callaway clubs versus not, but also they need to know they're between real Jordans and fake Jordans. The difference right. between uh, a real guitar. Hermes, or, like, right. Like you how it, you, yeah. like we try as much as we can to educate, but th- what they have on their shoulders, like how are they supposed to know all of these things, like the counterfeits uh, versus the reels for all of these products that are counterfeited. It's an extre- incredibly difficult job. So we try to educate, but yeah, I mean, sadly for the most part, a lot of these products still get into the U S um, because like, it's so difficult for these people to know what's real and what's not who to trust and who not to. Um, and again, there's like just so many brands that are fighting this every single day. So uh, customs people have a very difficult job uh, and they do as much as best they can. But um, again, a lot of it just kind of sneaks through just because they don't know necessarily what to look for every time. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of like the hypothetical sort of like flow of goods. And I don't know if we can talk about this and we can like, so, so hypothetically the way I have it in my mind is like, all right, you know, there's a guy in China who's, who has a manufacturing facility. He knows someone in the U S he ships it to JFK, goes through customs. It passes by, right? Somehow it passes by. Cause like we said, it's a really hard job goes to some guy and who knows where in the U S and he's just like distributing them online, like on offer ups and on, like secondary marketplace is that like how it kind of goes down or i know that's like not the most sophisticated example but i'm still like trying to like kind of map it out in my mind and like how how it works you know yeah there's a couple different avenues so one it could be a manufacturer uh in china producing counterfeit clubs ships them to a shipper in china to kind of separate themselves from the manufacturer so it's not shipping from the manufacturing address and that shipper will send them either directly to golfers uh, through places like wish.com. They'll even send it to folks from Ch- from eBay. eBay can send right. you stuff from China. Um, so that's one way. They'll send it directly from customer to customers there. Second way, they'll send it to manufacturers, send it to sellers uh, in China. And those people will send it to other folks in the U.S. who will then send it to golfers um, everywhere across the country. So they try to separate themselves from the manufacturing base because they know we're after them. 
they know if they just send it directly from the manufacturing center, it'll be so much easier for us to identify, oh yeah, like, so you got a counterfeit, you got a counterfeit, you got a counterfeit, and they all ship from the same place. Well, there you go. We can just attack that one place. But a lot of times they'll have different places where they're shipping. So it's very difficult for us um, to kind of track where everything's coming game. from. And that yeah. comes, goes back to the whole like James Bond Mission Impossible trying to stop <laughs> yeah. these guys, right? If only we had Tom Cruise to help us out here, this would not be a problem anymore. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so they'll, they'll have like multiple shipping facilities either in China or in the U.S. to kind of separate themselves and kind of create that barrier. So it's much more difficult for us and for the law enforcement folks in China to kind of identify where everything's being made. And this goes without saying, but like China's a huge country. I mean, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. going on in China, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. there's so much, there's a lot of manufacturing and like granted, you know, these might not be as sophisticated, but if you just go on Alibaba and kind of look like you can find a ton of different manufacturers to do like really to, to build you kind of whatever you want. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just like a lot, of, it's like a powerhouse of, of manufacturing. That makes sense why we see like 90% of them coming from China, but it's a yeah. massive country and it's kind of like the wild, wild west as it seems like from the outside looking in, you know? Yeah. They, they're not shipping from like Beijing. Like they're shipping from these little tiny yeah. towns that have, you know, like a really couple dozen rural, people. Like <laughs> areas, right? I mean, extremely rural. Yeah. Extremely yeah. rural. Um, and yeah, it, that's why, and also a reason why it take, it's so difficult to track. Because they could be in the middle of nowhere, and to find where these folks are manufacturing them, and then to get the law enforcement people or manpower required to go out there, because like they're not going to have a sophisticated anti-counterfeiting law enforcement group in the middle of nowhere in China. So right. we need to have actual professionals who know what they're doing sent there, um, and that costs money, that costs time, and if which I. I'm not aware of this happening, but if it is a dud and nothing happens, then that's all lost money. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it's a constant, constant fight. And it takes a lot of investment from, um, from the manufacturers to, to protect themselves, to protect the brand and protect the golfers. So. Mm-hmm. No, it's interesting. I was looking at like golf as, as an industry, right. And it's like the K, the compound annual growth rate is like 5% or something year over year from like 2022 to 2027 or something like that. So like the industry itself is growing um, and with a growing industry, it makes sense. There's going to be like, this is still going to loom as, as an issue from like a manufacturing perspective. Uh, so like, just kind of wanted to dive into that with you. Like what are your just general thoughts moving forward? Well, one of the things we were talking about a lot over the past three years, certainly COVID changed a lot uh, and for golf for the better. I mean, it just got people outside in a safe space Um that like, you know, no issue with viruses. So it golf really has grown, but in many ways, the new golfer is someone that we're like scared of affecting so much because if someone just gets into golf and granted, if you're just getting into it, you're not going to be very good. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. But if you're just getting into golf and you purchase fake clubs, you, you're not going to get better. And you're going to be like, what the hell am I doing? I can't like, I can't figure this out. But if right. you're swinging something that's not real it's going to turn off a lot of new golfers right away before they just as they're getting into it just as they kind of made the investment to like oh i'm going to finally buy my own clubs i'm so excited about this um but if new golfers get fake clubs they're not going to know like like daniel you like you know i know what a real club feels like because that's what we hit but if a new golfer gets into it they have no idea and like this game sucks like it's so hard it's impossible so in many ways of the past few years like we are trying as hard as we ever have 
to protect that growth that we're seeing in the sport and protect golfers, especially new ones, from making the mistake right away and then feeling like this game is it's not something I'm ever going to be good at. Uh, it was wa- it's a waste of my time. But yeah, if you're playing with stuff that's <laughs> that's basically a hunk of metal, um, yeah, it's, it's like not golf's be hard fun. enough, you know. Like golf <laughs> yeah, don't is make already, it harder. Don't make yeah, it harder. Yeah, it's already a hard game. Like why? Yeah. Why would you go out and buy fake? You know, I know like you can't. Yeah, but it's again like I I I, I understand where new golfers are coming from because it's mm-hmm. not a cheap. It's not an afford. It's not a super affordable sport. It's not like cheap to get into right away. So you understand like okay, I'm already going to make an investment of a couple hundred dollars in having the clubs that I need to play. But if you're going to make an, that investment, you're going to throw it away if it's all in fake stuff. So um, getting people to understand that um, there's no such thing as like, you know, a fantastic deal in golf, for better or worse. Uh, if you're really trying to get into it, go to a place like Second Swing if, um, if you want to get into it more affordably. Um, find a place that's going to sell used clubs that are authenticated by professionals who know what they're looking for. Um, that's where we recommend. Um, don't go to places like eBay. Don't go to Amazon, Facebook Marketplace, Wish, Alibaba, wherever. Go to a place if you're looking for a deal where you can buy used clubs um, that have been authenticated by professionals. Mm-hmm. So kind of diving into that authentication word, right? Can only mm-hmm. OEMs authenticate or like what's the situation behind uh, the authentication? Like one thing that comes to mind is like the COA, right? I've never bought a Circle T. Mm-hmm. More of a lab putter guy. I don't know how much <laughs> you know. I love lab, right? But um you know, you're spending like 10, 15 grand on putters, right? Like, can we talk through that? Yeah. Like so the authentication, Scott... like can only Scotty authenticate or what's up with that? You know? Yeah. This, uh, of all the manufacturers, Scotty has like an actual authentication process for their clubs because they're collector's items. So like, you know, just a general new, uh, new three wood from TaylorMade, it's not going to be a collector's item. It's going to be a mm-hmm. club that's great. Um, but they're not going to go through the process of authenticating something. If someone sends it in, um, we'll be able to tell you probably if it's real. Um, but again, most of the manufacturers don't take, uh, sorry, they don't accept clubs in just to be authenticated unless it's a mm-hmm. Scotty because of, right. you know, collector's purpose reasons. So most of the manufacturers don't just do it as out of a hobby because then we could have thousands and thousands of golfers sending in clubs too tailor-made every single day like hey is this real do i i got this on ebay is this the real deal like well that's not really our job our job is to sell you the real stuff um but we'll do our best uh to authenticate via photos if we can um but really the only one who like does an actual like okay we want to make sure what you're selling is the real deal scotty does that okay yeah All right, but i will like say for thing... the for the most for the most part with scotty's okay. like um the people at titleist we able to tell by photos um right away um really even the very best uh, counterfeit Scotties, um, certainly they could tell by holding it right away. Like they don't even need to look at it. They can tell by like, the weight of it sometimes because yeah. uh, they're that yeah, good. It's forged metal. It's literally <laughs> right. like a, from a block of freaking, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They could tell by holding it. Uh, they could tell by just kind of the way it, you know, it, you just hold it by your two fingers and uh, the weight of it. But um, yeah, they're really the only ones who like do a really serious job of authenticating for obvious purposes. Right. Okay. Now that's another thing that's like interesting as well. Um, but then the, another thing that kind of comes to mind is like the serial numbers itself. Like I haven't really gotten deep into that, but mm-hmm. as someone who is like, say you buy a club, like I buy, you know, a stealth two or whatever, can I plug that serial number into like it, an OEM website and, and like determine if it's, uh, like legit or not, or how, how exactly is that? Or is that like more of private data that exists like within their internal servers and database? I'd say more the latter. Um, however, 
almost all, at least I haven't seen any counterfeit clubs recently that don't have a serial number. So they're, they're at least, they're at least copying one, but I will say like for every driver they produce, like every, you know, stealth driver, they'll all have that same serial number. Um, so like for the most part, if you, if we do, um, get something in, um, you do send us the photo of the serial number, some serial number, we'll be able to tell whether it's real or not. Um, but just because something has one or doesn't, doesn't mean it's real or fake. Um, so we have proprietary info. Like we're not just going to say, send us the serial number, plug it in, and then we'll just pop out real or fake. Like that's, there's a little more that goes into serial numbers other than that. Um, but we'll at least be able to help. Um, if you can send us a photo of the club, um, with the serial number, cause it may be a, a giveaway in some instances. Okay. Yeah. Well, is there anything else I'm missing? I mean, like what else can we talk about within the actual like industry itself? I mean, we've kind of gone through all the, the questions I initially like outlined, but is there like an issue or something else we can kind of like dive deeper into the last 10? Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about clubs, um, but balls are something that I think people don't think about as much. Um, mm-hmm. mostly because, Balls are almost always the same price, and golfers are going to buy Pro V1s or Chrome Softs or Z Stars, whatever kind of ball you play. You'll know what they cost, um, and if you see something that's too cheap, you'll probably know that it's not the real deal. Um, but we have seen, um, you know, a dozen Pro V1s selling for 110 bucks or 120 bucks uh, on some websites, and um, obviously, there's no way Titleists would sell the top of the line best ball in golf, uh, arguably, uh, to be fair to other manufacturers, uh, for that kind of discount. Yeah. discount. Um, too, yeah. yeah. I will say one way to know whether um, the ball that you have is real or fake is just kind of do like a f- little fingernail into the ball. So you know you know how a Chrome the Soft cover, feels. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know how a Chrome Soft feels. You know, what, you know how a uh, Pro V1 feels. If it feels like a top flight, it's right. it's obviously fake. It's it, it's not like oh maybe it was outside too long so it like hardened. No, it doesn't happen. Like if it's um if it's too hard, at least one dead giveaway, because um, they're not going to spend a ton of money these counterfeiters on, um you know a soft uh, exterior shell for these balls. Like they're just going to do it as cheaply as they possibly can. So, mm-hmm. um, balls are something uh, also to look out for because there's certainly game uh, game issues with that for performance, but also safety issues uh, as well because they can. They can break, they can, uh, can shatter, they can go all different places. Um, and I think but I the thing this about before, golf but, clubs, it's yeah. like performance. You know what I mean? Like you hit it and you can't play around. And I, I, like, I've never actually bought one, but I imagine like say I were to buy a cell two driver that's fake, I'm not going to be able to play around with it. Not just because, you know, I smashed a driver. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I cracked that. No, I'm just kidding. But I mean, like, you know, right off the bat that uh, it's not the right one, right? Whereas if you were to buy like a Rolex or like maybe a purse or something, if you're a female, like you can kind of get away with that because like wear and tear, you can be careful. But with clubs, you're literally like smashing balls, you know, with pieces of metal. Like you're gonna know it's fake. Sorry to interrupt there. But that's, no, that's no. just something that comes to mind. Like do people actually play fake clubs or like what's the situation with that? Yeah, it's usually it really a lot just of... like you buy it and you like put it in your house as like a novelty? I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's usually a lot of like, super amateurs like you know the 30 plus right. handicaps the 25 plus handicaps um who really don't know any better um right yeah i mean you, you say when it comes to performance it's we know like if you're a golfer who has played for years you're going to know and you're going to get frustrated when it doesn't perform um mm-hmm. but like i said like if it's a new golfer who's getting into it they can whether they're frustrated or not they're just going to be like i stink at this game and i'm um 
you know, it's impossible. So easy for us to, to know uh, who, who's been golfing for, you know, a decade or more. But if you're new, it's, it sucks. It's a real challenge. And these guys, I've seen people playing um, with counterfeit clubs. We just did a survey at the show of mostly PGA pros. Uh, and they, I think it was like 85% know someone who has bought a counterfeit club. Cause like, what are you swinging there? Let me see. Like, brother, that's not real. Uh, yeah. and like, what do you mean? I got, I got it from, I got it from a buddy on, on Facebook or something like, uh, no, like I, it's not real. Hear how it sounds like, listen to how it sounds. Um, it's, it is wild. I've heard them. I've seen them. Um, yeah, it's, it's really the new golfer, uh, and the high handicapper who, uh, who really struggles with this. Right. So do you, can like any organization join your group? Like say you're an up and coming brand or, or is it kind of like closed off? Uh, we, I mean, we do get, we do have, um, members kind of, kind of come and go. Um, but there is an investment. Um, so, I mean, you feel free to reach out to, to our group. We'll, we'll kind of talk about it. Um, but it is kind of like a a set group that we have. Um, we also work with, um, some golf grip manufacturers as well. Um, because for the most part, the clubs that we're seeing counterfeited are fully kind of compiled so you know shafts uh from aren't going to be from some of the manufacturers they we work with golf pride grips are what we see pretty often right. we actually just had a great conversation with them uh in the winter they're you thinking smell of the as grip well. too right like you can i saw rick shields just pop it open and start smelling the grip and he could tell that it wasn't like a legit is that like the finger or not finger the nose test for the grip then grip grip you go right to your nose it smells right. horrible in some ways it smells like urine uh they like they really really stink and they'll rub off in your hands and your hands reek um right. yeah so uh as far as joining like we kind of have a set group but we're always looking to to make sure that we're protecting the game as best we can um mm-hmm. but to go back to what you were saying uh a second ago like purses watches like if they don't they, there's really little performance issues okay a, a watch isn't going to like tell a great time um, and a, like a, even like sneakers, uh, okay. They're going to blow out. Um, like clothes are so different, but like golf clubs, like we're playing a game. Like the whole right. point of golf is like to play a game and certainly enjoy yourself. But, um, if you're playing like basketball with a ball that's deflated, it's not going to be basketball. It's not gonna be the same game that you're, you're hoping to play. So if you're playing with a club, that's not meant to hit a golf ball, like the clubs that are counterfeited aren't meant for golf. Like they're just basically, like you said, the little trophies, they're not meant to be played with because they're not real. So if you go on the golf course um, with something that's fake, it's just, it's not going to make a fun experience. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's uh, again, a growing issue, but something that we are growing our capabilities to kind of take them down at. So better. That's why I'm pumped to have you on because I love equipment. I've been in the industry. I keep saying that. I guess I'm in the industry because of the (laughs) podcast, but like, You know, I've been around equipment since I was like a little kid. I love it. I'm super passionate about it. I'm like a club junkie. I'll like go through all the, the WRX forums and like <laughs> just get just nerd out on clubs. And I think that yeah. this topic is something that's super interesting uh, because it's kind of like underground, like dark yeah. black industry or whatever, you know, and like to deep dive into it with you and and really like do some research and understand that number one, it's a big issue. I mean, number one, the valuation of like, the entire problem is huge. Like it's, it's a real problem. We're talking like hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, trillions like macro. So to get to talk about it with you and like have you on has been like an absolute treat, man. Oh, this is great. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super fun um, for any club junkie like yourself or even someone who's not into it. 
just I love to think about the uh, the engineering that goes into making these clubs as good as they possibly can be. Like how much better our clubs are now than when we first started playing um, when I was in high school, or you know certainly when like golf was around you know, hundred years ago or more. How much engineering and technology has allowed more people to enjoy this game uh, and make it easier in many ways uh, and make it more approachable for people. Like engineers have spent so much time and energy to kind of perfect these golf clubs. Um, and when counterfeiters scam a lot of young golfers or new golfers, it just, it's so disappointing for many reasons, but um, just because I love this game so much and I want other people to love it too. And when they're getting ripped off and not, able to enjoy it the way we can or the way we do it sucks and i want more people to, to realize how cool this game is and when you're playing from behind the eight ball with a fake club there's just no way you can have as much fun uh playing this game as we do so um there's one takeaway it's that real golf like real golf clubs allow people to enjoy this game and counterfeiters kind of destroy it so as much as we can trying to take them down um but we need golfers to just kind of know what to look out for only by the real deal only buy from authorized resellers uh, or retailers and too good to be true. It always is. Love it. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time. And if you ever want to come on the pod, you're welcome. Happy so, to. Well, thank I appreciate you so much. It. Thanks, yeah, Daniel. See ya.